Thanks for tuning in to the New Life South Coast Weekly Sermon Podcast. We want you to know that we're excited about our brand new church facility located on 1331 Cove Road in New Bedford, Massachusetts. We offer three service times for you to choose from. We have kids classes for all ages so parents can enjoy the service while kids learn about Jesus. We'd love to host you in person, Saturdays at 5 p.m. or Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Now, here's an encouraging word. Man, happy anniversary, New Life South Coast. Happy six years. What's so special about anniversaries, and I always pop up, because no matter where in the world God plants me, I don't want to miss this opportunity to come together to take a look at the incredible things God has done and the incredible things he's going to do through this house. So this is a special day. I know you guys can feel it. We broke in the prayer and fasting. We get cake at the end of this. So I know we're amped for a lot of reasons. Um, And I love that, you know, year seven, you guys are coming in hot. You're coming in hot. And the city won't know what to do with themselves, which is so good. They're already there. They're like, yeah, they just keep growing. (laughs) They took over our grocery store. It's like, yeah, we did. (laughs) So good. So good. Um, So before we jump into the thought for this morning, I actually would just love to pray for our time. Because if God doesn't show up, we're all in trouble. Uh, So just pray with me. God, I'm so thankful for the privilege of getting to address your sons and daughters this morning. Holy Spirit, we're so thankful for your presence that's already saturated this room. And we're thankful for the timeliness of your word. So I pray that the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth would be honoring and pleasing to you, God. And anything that's not of you, let it fall on deaf ears. So we thank you, God, that today we're going to be wrecked and we're going to be forever changed um, because of you, Jesus. So we love you, and we pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay, now we can really do the thing, you know? Okay, this is going to be so good. So the anniversary is here, and like I said, whenever you come together, it's an opportunity to look back and also to have faith for what's coming forward. And it's not just a message for the house, but it's a message for each of us as individuals. We're in 2020, and I know you guys know that. So many fun hashtags, 2020, new me, new you, all the things. Um, But the expectation that we have is for you. God has a specific word, a mission, a promise that he's placed on the inside of you that he wants to see you step into in 2020. Amen? Amen. So whenever I was preparing and thinking, like, God, what's your word for the house? How can we stir up our faith to believe for the miraculous? He brought me to the book of Joshua. So we're actually going to park there. If you want to open your Bibles, it's just after the first five books. So Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, and then Joshua. And if this is your first time in the house, welcome home. We love that you're here. There's no, like, you know, super smart people here. We're just super hungry. So there's no such thing as a dumb question, and we're excited to learn together. Before we jump into the specific passage, I think the context is really important because we pick up randomly with God's people, and it's like, well, where were they before, and why are they here? So leading up to this part of Joshua, the people of God had lived in slavery for over 400 years in Egypt, and many of you probably have heard of that story. So they were enslaved, and God heard the cries of his people, and he appointed a man named Moses to go to Pharaoh and set his people free, right? So Moses did. He was obedient after kicking and screaming, and God did the miraculous, God took the people, his people, out of slavery across the Red Sea. He parted a sea 
to make way for the miraculous so they could start this journey to inhabit the promised land. And they had to cross the Red Sea into this space called the wilderness. It was the wilderness of Sinai. And when they were there, Moses was still leading them. And God gave them direction for how to live as his free people. Because if you can imagine all you've ever known as slavery, you've never thought for yourself. So God gives Moses instruction for what it is to be set apart as a people of God. So they're in the wilderness. They get this instruction. They're ready to go to take the promised land. And then they send out scouts. Men to go look and see, well, what does the promised land look like? Are we ready to do war? Whatever, whatever it is. They come back and they're like, oh, nope, can't do it. Can't do it. There's giants in the land. We can't do it. Um, we all know there's no such thing as giants. Right? Okay. So they come back and their disbelief causes them to stay in the wilderness for 40 years. And God says, because you didn't have faith that I'm going to do what I said I would do, You're going to wait here, and the generation after you is going to inhabit the promise. And that's where we pick up the story. Before we jump in there, I do want to make one note. What's so beautiful about God? Even though the people were disobedient, even though they lacked faith, he was so faithful to provide in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. He made magical food, manna. Literally, they didn't even have a Hebrew word for it because it just came out of nowhere. He gave them provision and food, because that's the kind of God that he is. So I just want us to remind ourselves of that this morning. So when we pick up in Joshua, it's the next generation that's come. Moses has passed, and it's Joshua's opportunity to lead the people. And of course, God in God fashion loves to show off. So not only did he part the Red Sea to get their ancestors out of slavery, but he stops the Jordan River during flood season, to allow the people to transfer out of the wilderness into the beginning of the promised land. So good. So that's where they are. They just witnessed a miracle. I don't know about, has anyone ever seen a river stop? No. Unless there's a beaver dam ahead of it, and then you know where it came from, right? Not a miraculous stopping of a river. So that's what, where we get to pick up our story in Joshua 6. So the people are waiting for this incredible plan for how they're going to take the city that their ancestors, the generation before them, didn't have faith for. And this is what God says to Joshua. Now Jericho was strongly fortified because of the Israelites. No one leaving or entering. The Lord said to Joshua, Look, I have handed Jericho, its king, and its fighting men over to you. March around the city with all the men of war, circling the city one time. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry seven ram's horn trumpets in front of the ark, but on the seventh day, march around the city seven times while the priests blow the trumpets. When there's a prolonged blast of the horn and you hear its sound, have all the people give a mighty shout, and then the city wall will collapse and the people will advance, each man straight ahead. I'm not a military strategist. But I think if God were to give me this particular game plan, I'd be concerned. Right? Can we pull up the picture of Jericho? I'm visual. Um, So this is actually what Jericho looked like. Can you see the little people down there? It's that little orangey-reddy color, reddish color. These are little people. So it's a really high wall. It's over 45 feet. It is double protected because there's two different walls. And it's six feet wide at its base. I know it's hard to comprehend in picture, but it's important because you think about the Jericho wall. Okay, cool, God. Are we talking 10 feet by one foot? Like, what do we do? 
blasted or something? No. <laughs> this was over 45 feet tall. No wonder the generation before them was like, ooh, I don't know. And then God says, I got a plan. I got a plan. There's two kinds of people that I think would get ready for war. One, who's amped. They just saw God do a miracle crossing the Jordan River, like, I'm fired up. What's the strategy? And then the other one's like, ooh, really high wall, really little people. What do we do? And then much to both of their surprise, the strategy is to yell, to shout. Ah, I was trekking with you, God, when you said, take Jericho. You lost me at circle the city seven times silently, which is probably really hard, and then shout and expect a miracle. But that's the funny thing about God. It's never conventional wisdom. It's not military strategy. It's not having faith in something. It's having faith in the someone that gave the direction to step out. Amen? So we're going to do a spoiler alert and bring you guys to the end of the story, for Jericho anyways. Um, So in Joshua 6, verse 20, what you'll see is what they did. And this is really like the verse that should be close to our heart for today. So the people shouted, and the trumpets sounded. When they heard the blast of the trumpet, the people gave a great shout, and the wall collapsed. The people advanced into the city, each man straight ahead, and they captured it. Whoa. Didn't see that coming, unless you know God. Otherwise, it was an you know, interesting strategy. But I got to thinking, like, how do you arrive at a kind of faith that even the generation before you, who was rescued out of slavery, who saw God part the Red Sea, couldn't arrive at to take the land that God had promised? Like, how did they get there? Because they saw him stop the Jordan River, but it's not as intense as the Red Sea. And they definitely weren't in slavery. They were getting, you know, magical bread dropped down from heaven waiting on the promised land. How did they stir themselves up? So that's really what we're going to wrestle with this morning. What did they do to have the kind of faith to march around a city, shout in obedience, and see God do the miraculous? And lucky for us, God's really faithful. So he actually gives us the game plan. And if you're taking notes today, the name of the message is Faith to Shout. Do you have faith to shout New Life South Coast for the miraculous God is going to bring you into this year? I love it. You guys are so much more awake than the 9 a.m. They're like, yes, I think so. (laughs) And I'd encourage you, make sure you take notes for services like this. Any Sunday, all Sundays, God wants to deposit something specifically into your life. Whether you've been walking with him for 70 years or this is your first day and you still don't know what you're doing here, God has a word for you. So we're going to get the first key in Joshua 5, verses 2 and 3. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the Israelite men again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelite men at Gibeuth Heir Uloth. Totally Googled that. Don't want you guys to think it's just a natural thing. <laughs> um, But the point of the story is not the name of the city. It's Joshua's obedience to circumcise the men. And I know it's kind of early still, and the men are like, this is the first instruction? (laughs) No, it's okay. Take a deep breath. We're under the new covenant, so it's not about circumcised or uncircumcised. So, woo! (laughs) For the men, you can just relax. You can just relax. 
But the point of this is to anyone other than the people of God, this instruction would have seemed crazy. It was an instruction that God gave to his people because he wanted them to be set apart. And for us, with Jesus, the instruction is to circumcise our hearts. It's the cutting away. It's the sacrifice to be set apart. And that's really our first point. That's the first part of how they built up their faith. They sacrificed to be set apart. And I think a really helpful model for this is actually in Hebrews 12.1. When we're instructed to lay aside every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us. And actually, it's really intentional. I'm sure you know, you've picked this up by now, but every word counts in the word of God. So there's a reason why he differentiated sin and weight. I think for some of us, if you're newer to the walk, like when I met Jesus, I knew I wanted to be loved by him, but I didn't really know if I was ready to step away from all the things that I was deeply finding myself in. Like I was really big into partying when I was pre-Jesus and kind of like, yeah, I like you, Jesus. Yes, I think I want this Jesus, but my friends are over here though. So that was a big part of the sin that I needed to deal with because it was keeping me separated from the freedom that God wanted me to walk in. And then there's that relationship. Thank God. Ten years passed. Ten years single. I'm loving it. Um, But it's these... (laughs) It's the big sins that can be easy to look at when you're new to faith that as long as you understand God wants to set you free, this circumcision of heart is not because he wants you to go through pain. But sometimes it's the pain that unlocks the blessing. And that's really where I found the freedom is whenever I was like, okay, God, I'm really all in with you. But can I tell you, the kind of circumcising of your heart that he does later when he gets past, you know, the obvious sins, like the parts of your character that you don't even know are there, those are even harder. It's easy to look out and be like, yeah, I knew that one probably wasn't good for me. But then it's the pride or it's jealousy or it's a hidden lust that nobody knows you wrestle with that God's like, if you would only trust me, if you would only step into freedom. So our question this morning is, what sin is God asking you to give up? What sin is he wanting to cut away from your life because he wants to heal you? They couldn't step into the promised land until they were set apart for God. And it's not just sin, right? It's weight as well. As Pastor Marco was sharing, I get the privilege of working for Dell Technologies. We're one of the largest tech companies in the whole world. And there are sometimes when I'm getting ready for meetings or getting ready for this big movement to share about anti-human trafficking efforts around the world, where I was so weighted down by anxiety and stress because I'm like, God, I know you said to do this. I know I thought this was a good idea, but now I don't think it's a good idea and I'm not sleeping and I'm up at 3 a.m. and up at 5 a.m. and I don't know what to do, God. And he's like, Marquis, is this your plan or my plan? Is it your call or my call? Then step into it. Lay that weight aside. And some of us this morning are holding on to anxiety and fear that is not from God. So it's not just the sin, but it's the weight. Jesus says, you know, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. That's what we're meant to step into, church. So sacrifice sets us apart. What do you need to sacrifice? What is God saying, set this apart so I can loose you on your workplace 
or set this apart so I can loose you in your city to speak life over things because you have already seen me give you life and freedom. Amen? Amen. So that's our first one. That's the hardest one of all three, so you guys can rest easy. But being set apart, is, it's a continuous thing, so it doesn't ever stop. The second passage we're going to look at is Joshua 5.10. While the Israelites camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, they kept the Passover on the evening of the 14th day of the month. If you've never heard of Passover before, it's this beautiful celebration that God called his people to have to commemorate him taking them out of slavery into freedom. It's a party, y'all. So the second thing we're going to do is we're going to talk about celebrating and partying because I know the circumcising and sacrifice is not as hot of a topic. (laughs) One of the best parts of Passover, they sing this song called Dayenu. And what it means in Hebrew is, it would have been enough. And over the course of the night of feasting and coming together with family and friends, they walk through all of the miracles that God took them through to get to the promised land. So they talk about how, God, you saved us from Pharaoh, and that would have been enough. God, you were justified drowning the Egyptians, and that would have been enough. God, then you brought us into Sinai, and that would have been enough. And then, God, you gave Moses this beautiful instruction for how to live, and that would have been enough. But then, God, you sustained us in 40 years in the wilderness, and that would have been enough. And then, God, you brought us into the promised land, and that would have been enough. And then, God, you gave us the Sabbath, and that would have been enough. So they have such a heart of gratitude that they take this time to fire up their faith. It's not just a feast. They're firing themselves up, remembering the greatness of God. And I know y'all know this is the anniversary. We're six years in. So we're going to take a second to fire ourselves up with the miraculous of God. We actually launched this, this house on January 19th, 2014. So to the day, six years ago. As Lindsay shared, Pastor Marco shared, we had 78 people present. But what we didn't talk about is what came out by the New York Times four days later. Wednesday of that week, New York Times publishes an article that says, America, you have a new Sodom and Gomorrah. And if you've never heard of Sodom and Gomorrah, they're really messed up cities that are godless. And did you know what two cities were tied for the least Bible-minded cities in America? Can you take a guess at one of them? New Bedford and Providence, Rhode Island. We had just launched. We were so fired up. And then this article comes out. But did you know God had already prepared us for it? Because whenever we were getting ready to launch, people were like, ooh, New Bedford. Nothing good comes out of New Bedford. I was working at a technology company just up the road, and they're like, New Bedford, lock your cars. I'm like, pump the brakes. Like, you've never even been there. It's fine. They're amazing people. Right? But it's looking. They were looking at a city with natural eyes. When God was saying, no, no, no. 
There are captives there that I'm gonna set free. There are addicts there that I'm gonna bring into new life. There are families there that I'm gonna restore. There are people there that need to be launched into their destiny. There are men and women of God that are gonna change their workplace and change their city and change their region. That's what they didn't see. And six years later, we can look back at all the things God has done and said it would have been enough. Our first Rock the City was rocking. It would have been enough. Hundreds have served the city Saturdays. It would have been enough. Seeing human trafficking victims be made whole and finding family and building lives restored would have been enough. But then God had to do more. He had to do more. We have a TV show that reaches thousands of households every Sunday. That would have been enough. We have a podcast that reaches even beyond that to countries probably we've never even heard of. And that would have been enough. And then we're in the middle of the South End with the best building we could have imagined, and that would have been enough. But God's like, no, there's more. So the second principle of how they built up their faith is they remembered to be ready. Oftentimes we have to look back to have faith for what's forward, even when we don't see it. And even if this is your first Sunday, you're already a part of the legacy. This house is a testament to the greatness of God and his faithfulness to come through. So we can fire ourselves up with that because, like Lindsay said, six years was great, but that's nothing compared to what's God, what God's going to do in the next six years. So we have to get our faith ready and stirred up. And guys, they partied. There's no party like a Holy Spirit party. And we go hard in this house. <laughs> it's so good. And... This principle of remembering to be ready isn't just for the church and all of us together. It's for each of us as individuals. Because just like this house has a story, you have a story. Whether you're one day into your walk with Jesus or 35 years, you have a story. So take time to remember because it will give you faith for the impossible that's ahead. Amen. Okay. Y'all ready for principle number three? Okay, okay. And the third principle, we're actually going to look at one more passage in Joshua 5. God gave us all three in one chapter, which is really nice. Joshua 5, 12. It says, In the day after they ate from the produce of the land, the manna ceased. Since there was no more manna for the Israelites, they ate from the crops of the land of Canaan that year. I know we went from sacrificing to be set apart and then feasting to be filled, which was the second point. I don't know if I said it, but hopefully it was on the screen. Feasting, or no, now I'm mixing up. This is the new one. Oh, I'm giving away the surprise. <laughs> no, the second one was remembering to be ready. And the third point is feasting to be filled. So I know we're looking at manna and crops from Canaan, and you're like, ooh, who cares? I was trekking with you to this point, and now I'm not sure. What's beautiful about this is manna is what God gave the people to be sustained in the wilderness. Manna is how he fed them. But whenever they crossed into the promised land, what they were being fed 
couldn't be what was in the wilderness because the promised land was going to demand something different. So they had to transition off of the provision from before to get ready to eat fresh. And that's a word for us this morning. What sustained you in 2019 is not going to sustain you in 2020. What fed you, New Life South Coast, the last six years is not going to keep you fed the next six years. And for us being fed because we're not you know, physically taking countries and cities and towns is feasting on the word of God. So in Matthew 4, 4, Jesus says, it's not by bread that man lives, not by bread alone, but by every word out of the mouth of God. So feasting to be filled up is about filling ourselves with the things of God so that we know his character. Because can I tell you that military strategy from God to shout, they didn't have faith in it because it sounded like a great idea. They had faith in it because of the one who spoke it. Having faith is not looking at something. It's looking at the one who's asking you to step out in faith. It's the God who's faithful and good and has already gone ahead of you. 2020 is a new year for you, but God's already gone ahead. The last six years were great, but God's already gone ahead, New Life South Coast, and he's already preparing the way. What we can miss in this story of Joshua is God promises numerous times, I have given you the land, now possess it. I have given you the region, New Life South Coast, now possess it. I have given you restoration in your family, now possess it. So it takes us to step in and possess because God gives it and he's like, I've empowered you to take it and to do with it what I've appointed and called you to do. So we need to feast on something fresh. Um, like Pastor Marco shared, about two and a half years ago, three years ago, uh, God, out of nowhere, called me to move to the one city in the world I told him I would never live. Don't ever say never to God. It was Austin for me. It was the one place literally I'd never wanted to live. So whenever I got there, can I tell you? But I knew there was a promise. I knew that if God said go, he would show up. Because when God said go to Massachusetts from Texas, ooh. I was like, hard no. But I saw God show up. I saw him do the miraculous here. So I'm like, if you're saying go there, then I'm going to go because I've seen what you can do, and I don't want to miss what's ahead. Amen? So when I went there, it wasn't just remembering what God had done, but it was pressing into his presence like I've never had to press before. We get on our face here in worship. It's so beautiful. You wore here. That's what it was like in my bedroom at home because I was like, God, I'm so desperate to be full of you. I'm so desperate for the faith to stay here and wait on you that I need you to show up in a fresh way. And the way I worshiped before wasn't going to give me peace now. The way I read before wasn't going to give me revelation for the now, so I had to press into the word of God. And that's what he's asking us to do in 2020. That's what he's calling us to do as a house and you as individuals. So what are you feasting on? That's the third question. What are you going to fill yourself up with in 2020? God really wrecked me this year, and he was like, I want you to give up TV. <gasps> Documentaries, no. <laughs> I know you guys are like, oh, she's a nerd. It's my thing. So it was really hard, but I was like, you know what, God? If you said to give that up, it's because you're going to fill me with something greater. And it's more time in his presence. It's more time in his word. So if you're feasting on Netflix, that's not going to get you to your promise in 2020. And a part of this and what God took his people through was taking inventory and saying, I have so much more. I have a promised land ahead of you, but I need you to step into what I'm calling you to be. 
I need you to step into who I'm calling you to be. I need you to be stirred up in your faith enough to look at a 45-foot wall and shout. And shout when I say shout. Not a second before, not a second after. So it's the faith to be obedient. And what's so good in all of this, right? So we did the circumcision to be set apart. We talked about remembering to be ready. This idea of feasting, what are we filling ourselves with? It's all purpose and in preparation for what's to come. But the secret sauce, can I tell you, what underpins all of it is obedience. And it's what we were just talking about. Because none of it would have happened if the people of God hadn't gotten on board with the crazy plan. None of it would have been possible if Joshua was like, ooh, can't do it. That doesn't make sense. I don't want to say it to them. What will they do? What if they say no? There was a mark of obedience on everything the people of God did. And that's really what transitioned it. And there needs to be a mark of obedience over our lives this next year. Otherwise, we're going to miss it. Don't miss it because you want to hold on to that sin or that relationship. Don't miss it because you're not being disciplined to sit back and like rest in the greatness of God, remembering of who he is. Don't miss it because you're so immersed in the next season on HBO that you don't take time to get on your face in his presence. Don't miss it, new life. Don't miss it. And the victory that they got to step into, like we said, it's not military strategy. It's not, it's not even common sense. It's nothing that made sense to the world, but it's everything that made sense in worship. One commentary says it this way, that public victories are a result of private visits with the Lord. So when we spend time with the one, then we get the instruction and the faith to step out. So if I could have all of you stand to your feet. It's beautiful and it's powerful because each of us have been called and commissioned. The people of God in this story were being called to take the promised land. And for us, under Jesus, we're being called and commissioned to go out and be his hands and feet. We're being called to go to the ends of the earth to build disciples and attest to the greatness of God. So to do that, we have to get our faith stirred up. Because when the people of God, when followers of Jesus actually step into their call, whenever they actually take that leap of faith, people are set free. Whenever they actually step out under the instruction of God, even when it doesn't make sense, you get to see your household made whole. Whenever you actually step out, you'll get to see your workplace changed. So how many of you want to see 2020 be better than 2019? It's an, this is a moment. Today's a moment, and I pray you mark it with God. A moment when God's going to give you a crazy instruction to step out. And I pray that we have the faith to shout. And to not do a little shout, not a scared or I still want to look cool shout, but a radical shout on behalf of the men and women of this region who need freedom. We're going to give a radical shout on behalf of that family member you're waiting to come to know Jesus. We're going to give a radical shout for your boss who is radical and not the great ways so that they'll come to know the awesomeness of Jesus and your workplace can change. We're going to give a radical shout for the attic next door because you know freedom is their portion. We're going to give a radical shout for all the men and women who cannot shout for themselves. Amen? Amen. So on the count of three, we're going to shout. 
because having the faith to shout will break down mountains. Having the faith to stand and declare the greatness of God will shift a city. Having the faith to stand up in the face of opposition changes the course of the war. Amen? Amen. So I want you guys to give a radical shout, not a cute shout. I want you to shout for the man and the woman standing next to you. We're gonna shout for this city, we're gonna shout for this region, and we're gonna shout in faith that God is gonna do what only he can do because of our obedience and our willingness to use our voice. Amen? Amen. Amen. So on the count of three, one, two, three. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. And for more information, visit our website at newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.